0: This podcast is for adults 21 years of age or older. We talk about cannabis history and advertise cannabis products. If you're not 21, come back when you are. Spoke Media. Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah. And Bean. And welcome to season three of Great Moments in Weed History. We are so excited to be back. Isn't that right, Bean? Holy smokes, are we excited. We've been reading your
1: emails. We've been looking at your social media posts. You're telling us you love the show. We love you right back. If you got a moment, click subscribe. And most importantly, keep
0: telling all your friends at your smoke sessions to check us out. This first episode of season three is a live episode that we did with our good friend Ben Sinclair, co-creator and star of the HBO show, High Maintenance. We did it at the Bell House as part of City Farm Presents Brooklyn Podcast Festival on January 24th, 2020. We're so excited to share this episode with you. Enjoy. Wow, what a good looking crowd. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah? Excellent. Did everybody everybody got lit before this, right? That's important. Yeah, because we're gonna start. Now's the start. <laughs> yeah, this is it. <laughs> this is it. It's happening. Um, so yeah, uh, just before we get started, I just want to say thank you so much uh, on behalf of our show uh, to City Farm Presents Brooklyn Podcast Festival, guys. Give it up for this whole fucking festival. It really is fantastic programming. And uh, we're just we're just stoked to be here. This is our first show in New York. Uh, we want to thank the Bell House. This is an amazing venue, guys. Give it up for the Bell House and Gowanus. Yeah. Yeah, truly uh, a fantastic place to do a show. I played a show here, like a rock show here, years ago with my boy Sonny. And look, uh, now we're over here talking (laughs) about weeds. Go figure. Life's fucking crazy, huh? And actually, I got to say, one of the great moments in my personal weed history,
1: and everybody has great moments in their personal weed history, was right here in New York City when I, for the first time in my life, Bought some weed in Greenwich Village in the park in Washington Square Park. And then, <laughs> let's give it up. That guy was a friend of the podcast. It wasn't the best weed. But it got me high. A week later was the first time I ever bought oregano in my life.
0: <laughs> Not a good weed moment. <laughs> Not a great moment. But it's true. Everybody does individually have great moments in weed history. Uh, and this one here is extra special for us because we're being joined by a good friend of ours, a truly legendary weed person in his own right. You know him, you love him. Guys, give it up for Ben Sinclair from hey, <laughs> <laughs> What's up? Hey,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: welcome, welcome, Ben. How you feeling? I saw Zeeshan backstage, and
0: I'm in such a good mood now, man. That he guy, does that. That guy's fantastic. Yeah, he really does put people in a good mood. I Where like is they he? Were. He's
3: right there. Everyone be friends with that guy
1: walking yeah. around. <laughs> that would also be a great strain name. Yeah. Z <laughs> Kush.
2: Yes, Who's on that? I
1: said it first. I said it first. <laughs> I see you, Patton New York. Weed the little industries. engine,
3: the little engine that cush.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty we, good. We, 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 we puns me. is kind of my thing, Ben. <laughs> I know. All right, moving along.
3: Ben
0: Sinclair, everybody. Wasn't it great to have him? All right, so guys, this is a live podcast taping, so uh, we're going to get it started the way that we do it on the show. Of course, uh, at a certain point, you'll know when, Ben, we say the name of the show, Great Moments of Weed History, so just chime in with us, and I think you guys are going to have a really good time, so I'm just going to get it started uh, the way we do it on the show, and it goes a little something like this. Hey, how's it going, folks? It's Abdullah and Bean. And welcome back for yet another episode of Great Moments in Weed History. On this podcast, my partner Bean and I, who are both cannabis journalists and media makers, go through one of the more fascinating points in the very, very long history of cannabis. Isn't that right, Bean?
1: That is exactly what we do, but, you know, we started out doing it in your apartment... With a yeah. couple of janky mics and, uh, and a lot of good weed. And now we're doing it at the fucking bell house in New York City. I know. I feel pretty fucking good about it.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so, Bean, what have you got for us today? I have a very
1: carefully curated and selected story tonight about a weed legend from New York City of the highest eminence. And I choose my words very carefully. So we've done a couple of stories already on the podcast about New York City weed legends. Mes Mesro, Tom Farsad, the founder of High Times. The OG. And this one's from a little bit of a more modern era. And Ben, I picked this one just for you, my friend. That's so nice. <laughs> that's so nice. <laughs> my that's, mom's Italian. That's great. <laughs> Lay
3: it on me, David. Uh, it sounds like Ben thinks it's time
0: for another
2: GREAT Great
0: MOMENT
1: moment IN WEED HISTORY!
2: (laughs) Spoke Media! (sighs)
0: Great, so Bean, I think we're ready to go. We got some beverages. We got a nice group of friends with us. Uh, I got—I snuck this vape pen onto stage, uh, so we can. You're get not really eye.
1: sneaking; in. it's in your hand. Yeah, I think the I think the mics are on too. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! So all
0: right, well, I imagine they can't pull us off stage at this point. So if you guys want to hit this, just let me know.
1: The hero of tonight's great moment in weed history was born in New York City. To a prosperous family, but had to drop out of high school and start taking odd jobs after his father's electronics business went belly up. Um, So I should say, this is a joyful story. This is a great moment in weed history story. But anybody who knows the shows knows it's never easy being green. (laughs) So bear with us through the hard parts. Joyous, joyous parts to come. So our great moment hero is named Mickey. And eventually... He does a short stint in the Navy, has a dispute with his father, and he is disowned, and he's committed to a mental institution. And the reason for this is until 1973, homosexuality was considered a mental illness by the American Psychiatric Association. So basically, this is somebody whose family had them committed for being gay when he got out. He not only became this incredible weed activist we're going to hear about, he was an act-up activist. This is somebody who took all, like we were talking about, all the hard parts and turned it into joy and weed and goodness. And that's the story we're going to tell tonight. <laughs> suffering.
2: <laughs>
1: ben said, is there anything I can do to prepare? And I said, just hammer the suffering. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I do. So soon after his release from this institution, Mickey decided to bum around Europe. Eventually, he made it to Amsterdam. Uh, And he takes a magic bus tour of the city of Amsterdam. And one of the stops, and tell me if this sounds familiar, is a place called the Lowlands Weed Company.
0: The Lowlands Weed Company. All right, so is this something that we perhaps discussed in our episode about Amsterdam and the provost?
1: Yeah, Ben, so these are guys who were like pre-hippies in Amsterdam in the 60s. They had these wild happenings, crazy street art, performance art, challenging the authorities. They were about, they, that's why there's free bikes. They were anarchists, and they were the earliest sort of coffee shop entrepreneurs, and they just used to give people seeds in the street to plant. They're the reason that there's coffee shops in Amsterdam.
3: Yeah, it sounds right. That's a, <laughs> <laughs> fact checking tracks. and
2: summary. Yeah, yeah That's right. <laughs> yeah,
0: but it goes to show that anywhere that you have weed available to people, there was probably, like, a fucking wild anarchist, like, wild motherfucker behind that. You know what I'm saying? Who, like, made that happen for you. So, thank anarchists. So, they. this is the early 1970s. We're in Amsterdam. Mickey has
1: had a rough road, and he finds this place, the Lowland Weed Company, and what they are doing is they have a floating houseboat in the canal. It is covered in tiny little weed plants, and they're selling seeds and cuttings because Dutch law only says you can't sell buds. Uh, And he finds this place, and he says, as soon as I saw this, after a very, you know, rough upcoming, I saw this floating weed boat and I knew I had a home (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Uh, And I just want to say that quote and a lot of this story is from a great Rolling Stone story uh, from the 90s by a guy named Mike Sager. Just want to give him credit for being an incredible journalist and uh, we'll we'll be dipping in and out of some quotes from that story. (laughs) Thanks, lovers of attribution. (laughs) And so Mickey says, in the beginning, the Lowlands Weed Company only sold pot plants and seeds, but I'm the one who convinced them to sell the smokable product. Tour buses would pull up to our houseboat and three quarters of the passengers would rush onto the the ship to buy weed.
0: Whoa, so this was like an international waters type situation? (laughs) Or was this like like a kayakers only service? There is no law in the (laughs) canals.
3: They're like, if you're gonna experiment with selling, you might as well experiment with selling it while floating somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: There's nothing but canal law out there, as we all know. Canal law is very lax.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: You get a heavier eighth because of the uh, (laughs) The buoyancy. The buoyancy. The buoyant eighth.
3: Um uh,
1: imagine, t-
3: imagine if the Titanic was full of weed and it was yeah. just a bunch of stoners getting lost out in sea and that would be actually a yeah, sad yeah, movie, yeah, yeah,
1: I would have cried at the end of that Titanic <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> like if the Titanic was a weed ship, there wouldn't have been all this like arrogance, you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
3: That's true. That's I think we true. should turn That's around, true. right? Yeah.
0: I'd be like, hey, you know, if God wanted to sink this ship, he could do it. I... Yeah. The
3: <laughs> Titanic is a pretty cokey boat, I guess.
0: A, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People are like, more,
3: more, more. Steer towards yeah. that big rock.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, that giant white rock.
3: <laughs> cool. Cool, 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 cool.
1: <laughs> so eventually, our hero Mickey. Breaks off from the Lowlands Weed Company, these Dutch anarchists that he was with, and he starts his own floating houseboat dispensary, which in this economy is the only, you know, thing that makes sense, He started
0: the Lyft to their (laughs) Uber, (laughs) 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 like the first competitor.
1: Uh, So demand was very high for his product. It's the 1970s in Amsterdam. He's selling weed off a boat. It's going to draw some attention. Uh, And sourcing his supply was surprisingly simple. Uh, He'd visit the docks in Amsterdam at about three in the morning. He'd make friends with some sailors, uh, offer to smoke them out, or he'd just light up a joint and wait for them to come to him. And uh, he'd go on board. And so this is him describing what happens next.
0: I thought with sailors it was uh, spinach.
3: (laughs) Anything to get that vitamin C up, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? They could get scurvy,
2: scurvy. otherwise. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Is there a is it top five strains for scurvy on the, <laughs> online yet? Because that's,
2: that's like, Lemon right haze, there. Lemon
1: Kush. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs>
1: Very well done. Don't encourage me. <laughs> okay. So this is, this is Mickey in his own words. I'd go on board one of these ships and there would be tons of smoke pouring out. Everybody had the stuff. So I'd give them a good price, and they'd throw it down on the dock. I'd drive the load out, waving to the customs guy, who knew everything. The whole government was in on it. I was once visited by some secretary of state, and he said, Keep up the great work. It is bringing in tons of tourists. Who has been to Amsterdam and... Uh, yeah. yeah. How many people the first time you legally consumed cannabis was in Amsterdam? All right. Oh, there you go. That was what a formative could. experience for me. Yeah.
0: So I actually... My brother, who is in the crowd tonight, took me to Amsterdam for my 21st birthday. Oh, yeah. That's lovely. Friend Shout out, to out the to the you, Brother yes. of the everybody, podcast, everybody. podcast I might say. <laughs> But yeah, so I spent my 21st birthday smoking weed uh, with him in Amsterdam. Uh, There's a picture of it somewhere, and I look something like this.
3: (laughs) Oh my God, my 21st birthday was in Russia, and I was in Moscow, and I was, I don't even know where I met this woman, but I was like dating this woman, and it was at this bar where it was like, okay, at five, it's... 5 shots for 5 ru- 50 rubles and at Is 6 that a lot it's money? 6 shots for 60 rubles and if it's at seven, so like forth. at every hour you would get more too much alcohol and it was and she told me I smelled like pickles on my 21st <laughs> birthday <laughs> <laughs> and then she got into a Russian uh, Moscow subway, and I rode all the way out to her neighborhood. And, and then I was like, I'm not getting out with you. And then I rode all the way back by myself. <laughs> 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 and that was my 21st birthday. Oh my God.
0: Oh my God. That's yeah. a rough 21st birthday. Yeah.
3: What, what did you do your 21st yeah. birthday? So that,
1: that's why the smell of brine makes you cry. I never no. No, man, I love
3: pickles.
1: (laughs) Uh, Like, I'm not going to get down on pickles ever. I'll tell a story about alcohol that bigs up weed. On my 21st birthday, I got a harmonica as a present, and then I went to a blues club and got so drunk that I pulled it out and started playing it. That's
0: alcohol.
3: (laughs) You couldn't do that in 2020, man. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You've been holding out on the best 21st birthday story on me for like the years that we've known each other. It's fucking incredible. It is so embarrassing. Harmonica
2: was involved.
0: (laughs) Oh,
1: well, let's uh, let's, let's check in with Mickey because I think we left him on uh, a floating weed. Where
2: are we? What is this? (laughs)
1: Is it?
0: Is yeah. It, what is are it we even talking birthday? about? That's the real
3: question. <laughs> hey man, hit that I'm pen. like lost, and that's <laughs> yeah. my my uh, confession. Is I'm lost with this story. Oh,
0: this is a DMT <laughs> pen. I figured out what's going on.
3: <laughs> I didn't even take your your dirty vape, man. I didn't take it.
0: <laughs> Great moments
1: in DMT. History. DMT eternity. <laughs> Yeah, all time is both linear and simultaneous.
3: Yeah. DM-ternity, that's the thing, right? <laughs> DM-ternity. Yeah, wow, DM-ternity. Man. That's cool. Great. Put it on Wikipedia. <laughs> 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 Make it
1: a thing. Not right now. So, Mickey decides, I'm just going to keep my floating weed dispensary open seven days a week, late into the night, lines out the canal... <laughs>
0: Lines out the hatch, <laughs> is
1: it? <in> the port? <laughs> yeah.
0: And soon
1: he is... Uh, Mickey is also, he's supplying the Milkveg and the Paradiso, these big rock clubs in Amsterdam where the police in the 70s actually let people set up tables in the lobby of a rock club and sell weed openly. Wow. Bell House?
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's a good idea. It would attract a whole new clientele. You know what I'm saying? People would show up for this. I mean, so so what happened with, with Petey? <laughs> he changed his name back to Mickey. Mickey. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's in Amsterdam selling weed off a houseboat, and he was making 20 grand a day. Hmm. People like weed. But he had like forty people on the payroll. He's like still this anarchisty guy at heart, more the merrier. He buys an old school to house all his people, and he's giving away lots of weed to people. He's giving away lots of cash, and he becomes this local legend in Amsterdam called Das Paus Mouse. Anybody know what that
0: means? No. Paus Mouse. <laughs> I, I, I'd rather not say in, in front of all these people <laughs> The Mouse Pope and I
1: i did quite a bit of research and did not find out what Is anybody Dutch? Yes Do you have any in idea Dutch. why they would call somebody uh,
0: the Mouse Pope? No <laughs> The Dutch are always very straightforward yeah. I respect that but the Mouse Pope just sounds like another HBO show about a different kind of Pope. Now it's like, yeah, can we, can we,
3: can we go dose Mouse, dose Mouse Pals? Yeah, let's do it. Do ex- mouse Pals. It's the
1: expanded cinematic Pope yeah. Mouse universe.
3: It's instead of Anthony Hopkins in this movie, it's Anthony Kitas. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of, like, what's his name? What's the other guy? Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price. It's uh, Donald Trump. I don't know.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> anyway. I would watch that. Those Mouse Pals, going to theater near
1: you. Mouse Pals. All right, pals. so, Abdullah. Mm-hmm. This guy's on his houseboat. He's selling 20 grand worth of weed a day. Everybody's happy. Everybody loves his weed. He's the mouse pope of Amsterdam. <laughs> what, Don't say it. What usually... Ha-
0: what? All right. So, look, guys. <laughs> There's always a part in a great moment in weed history when the police show up. All right? And, look, Ben, I know we promised the suffering was over, but when, when, when Bean prompts me this way, well, yeah, I know. I just said no scurvy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> But that's what's happening. Well, let's do
3: some
1: more suffering
3: then. Whoop, whoop. Hit me with it.
0: That's, the police that, are here. That is the
1: sound of the police. <laughs> so after seven years of faithfully serving the public as, as Pope Mouse to the masses, with absolutely no bad marks to his name, Mickey gets busted by the Dutch authorities, and they actually deported him back to America.
0: Shit. Who
1: was the Dutch person? Let's boo her.
0: (laughs) No, we don't. No, no, no. Of course not. We're all friends. Oh, man, he had to come back to this shithole country? (laughs) Poor bastard. Yeah, so he...
1: uh, And by the time he shows back up with all the legal proceedings and everything else, he shows back up, he's broke, he's still estranged from his family, and he washes up on the Lower East Side of Manhattan in 1979.
0: Oh my god. So I feel like this is when he like starts driving a cab, and then everyone who gets in, he's like, you know, in the old country, I was a wee boat captain.
2: <laughs> <laughs> His horn he hugs the horn. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> he uh, keeps reaching up, he's like, Ah, oh, force of habit, hey, always reach up here, you know.
1: And the cops came,
0: right? AKA yeah. PD.
1: <laughs> <laughs> A.k.a. Pope Mouse. Um, Pope Mouse. How do you think that he made his way in New York City? He had to be selling weed. He had, there's no, there's no other answer.
3: Here. <laughs> he,
0: drove, he drove a cab and told people about his old job.
1: <laughs> he was a loose joint salesman. Oh,
0: sure. it's <laughs> a great job. <laughs> oh good. Let's for give it up
1: for the loose joint salesmen of, and salespeople of the uh, 1970s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then eventually he opens up a, a literal storefront on the corner of First and First. Uh, any Anybody uh,
0: that old school in New York? It always makes me think of that when Kramer is at first and first, <laughs> and he goes, out, it's like I'm at the nexus of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> that was the name of the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and so this is a neighborhood in a time that's like totally beset with opioids, and the cops uh, for a couple of years just turn a blind eye, uh, but then... They bust him. Again. The cops show up again. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. One more time. Fuck. They never give up, those cops. But, uh, you know, it's a great moment in Weed History Story. (laughs) So they bust him, and he does eight months in uh, Rikers Island. But he gets out, and guess what he does?
0: He gets right back into the game. (laughs) He gets
1: right back into the game. This is
3: the Rudy segment of the story.
1: (laughs) Just picture like a zip of weed, Rudy's got it tucked in both hands, defenders everywhere, not going to give up. (laughs) This is what he said to uh, Rolling Stone in this article I talked about. He said, I'm not the kind of person you're going to intimidate. And I think that's, like, how we got this far as a weed community, right? Who's been arrested in New York City? Did it stop you from smoking weed? (laughs) There you go. And so Mickey said, you know, I am the bringer of wisdom and truth. That's a bold statement. (laughs) I'm doing what is right. Marijuana is the saving plant. It should be legal. People want it that way. I think what we should do is sort of set up our own society
0: and do our own thing. And the judge was like, 30 days in prison. (laughs) 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 And then he said,
1: We're doing what is right and proper and screw them. Our little group should live better than they do. We should win by example.
0: Fucking A. Here's to being an example by smoking weed in public. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Keep doing it, people.
1: So for Mickey, cannabis is like a mission. It's not a business, but not everybody saw it that way. He's out very openly doing big business by the time he opens the storefront. And on several occasions, local gangsters try to, like, muscle in on his action. They just want protection money. And he says, no, I I do my weed thing, Uh, go away. But so one night during a shakedown... Uh, by these gangsters, he was shot six times with a twenty two and miraculously suffered no serious injuries.
0: And then his next album was
2: sick! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he
1: gets shot six times. No serious injuries. He is a uh, large individual, um, so... Kind of 80. went through the sides. Oh, uh, cool. possibly, possibly divine intervention. Mm-hmm. He is the mouse pope. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he moves. His, uh, after this happens, he realizes, okay, these, these uh, gentlemen are quite serious. So then he moves like 40 times uh, in a year. He's just—he was invented the pop-up, I guess.
0: (laughs) Forty times a year—that's how like the how much the average New Yorker moves. When I lived here, it was forty different apartments in a year. I remember.
1: Anybody got a good line on like a two-bedroom, affordable? Are
3: you really asking? Because let's do it. If you are, (laughs)
0: like,
3: let's figure that shit out right now. (laughs) Who's got the apartment? Someone here does. Oh my gosh! That's, That's what's cool about being here.
1: Mickey also, he kept his prices really low. He was a mouse pope of the people. Um, And he also gave away literally tons of of weed to the sick and the poor. Uh, He's this sort of figure in the Lower East Side that you could go to. Uh, And even for cash, if you needed a little something, he was the guy. Um, And then as the AIDS crisis spiked in New York City he kind of transforms into like a one-man compassion center. He's really at the forefront of providing that care.
0: That's Uh, incredible. And, you know, this is something that's come up on the show before, and it's something that a lot of people don't realize, is that, you know, activism for gay rights, activism for, uh, you know, people with AIDS, and activism for cannabis were all super intertwined. Uh, you know, that was definitely exemplified in San Francisco. If you listen to our Brownie Mary episode, our Dennis Prone episode, you see that all these activism movements were totally linked. And it was all people who were being judged essentially for using something that's kind of a medicine. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's really important to remember. That's one of the reasons we do this show is that so, so we can remember that this is all tied together you know as we move as we're in an era where we kind of live in protest sometimes you know it's important to remember that all these causes uh, they really are the same uh, you know at their heart and here's another example of it it's all about suffering
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to give a quick shout out to a gentleman Dana Beal who did a lot of this work in New York City as well a big part of the Yippie movement here when, not if, when legal, weed is legal. Uh, it's going to be about these anarchists and these gay rights activists and these people who said, I'm not going to be intimidated. And, it, and our freedom and our joy and this beautiful future that we see came out of that. And that's why these stories weave back and forth through them. It's, it's never easy, but that's how we got here.
0: Yeah, fuck yeah. And it is always all about suffering. <laughs> now that I think about it, I'm like, yeah, yeah,
1: you're right. So the next thing Mickey does, which is just, you know, what you do, he buys an old comic book store, he paints it bright yellow, and he dubs it the Church of Realized Fantasies. Whoa. <laughs> I don't know, Mickey.
3: <laughs> I don't know about that one. He needed needed help.
0: Church of Realized Fantasies? Church of Realized Fantasies. Sounds like something very, very different. That's
3: that's like really setting the bar too high. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to be walking with realized fantasies and like anything short of, like, I'm not going to fill in this blank, but, like, whatever. (laughs) A big barrel of pickles is what he's talking about.
1: And then, you know... Well, he, he does declare himself pope of the Church of Realized Fantasies, and he even registered it with New York City as a religious institution. Are, are there any members of the Church of Realized Fantasies here?
2: I That's, I, I think that's it not a surprise, out.
1: man.
3: That, that, that name is like, fetching no congregation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like for the guy who stamps new religions at like the New York City office, it was like just another fucking day, you know? Yeah. How to realize <laughs> fantasies, whatever. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I also I realize why no one from the Church of Realized Fantasies is here because no offense to us and you all, but hey, this is but a
3: fantasy. This is someone's <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. This is my yeah. fantasy, and now here, man. <laughs> yeah. Someone here's really, fantasies yeah. being
2: realized. It might
3: be one of us, you know.
2: Who
0: is it? Whose fantasy is being realized right now? <laughs> is
3: it the same person with the two-bedroom?
2: <laughs> that wow, that would be my
3: fantasy realized seriously.
2: <laughs>
1: I'd love that. <laughs> so, with with weed as the sacrament of the Church of Realized Fantasies, the uh, donation boxes are packed tight as a Sunday morning bowl. Uh, <laughs> thank you, someone.
0: Oh, it was a fraud for selling weed. <laughs> the mics are on.
1: <laughs> but, uh, you know, despite all of these people coming and buying weed from him, Mickey spent it all as fast as it came in. Money is like manure, toots. It's meant to be spread around. <laughs> That's not my personal philosophy of money,
2: <laughs>
1: but I'm not doing twenty grand a day in weed sales. Well, that's a manure-themed personal philosophy? <laughs> of all the things,
3: I mean, shit happens. Is ah. that's, that's pretty much it, man? It's a really good one, yeah. too. It's one of the best. It's also it's about also suffering, about suffering, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You me to that.
1: <laughs> All right, so we're coming to the part of the story where we take a little break, which is actually going to be like 20 seconds while I go run and grab a thing that I forgot backstage. Ooh, a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> it's not that great. <laughs> it's a piece of paper. But we're going to hear about how Mickey became a real-life Gotham superhero in one of the city's darkest moments, and that'll be after our break. Smoke weed,ia. <sighs> Welcome back.
2: Woo!
1: All right, so I said we were gonna hear about how Mickey becomes a real life weed Gotham. What did I say? <laughs> Superhero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in one of the city's darkest moments. So we're gonna go back to a frightening time in New York weed. The summer of 1990. Any idea?
0: I thought you were going to be, like, last year. (laughs) Like,
1: (laughs) three months ago. (laughs) This was the great weed drought of 1990. Oh, shit. Was anyone out here
0: in New York buying weed in 1990? Yeah. A couple guys over there. Was it more difficult than
2: 1989?
0: (laughs) There's your proof. Well, here's what...
1: We have this combination of the government starting to really do the shitty things that the government does, anarchists. Mm. Uh, Thank you. And they did this thing called Operation Green Merchant where they went after all the hydro companies. And so everybody kind of missed two crops on their indoor and all of a sudden there's no weed. It's frightening. And according to Mike Sager, writing in Rolling Stone about this, Nobody could find any pot except for Mickey, so naturally business boomed. That is a good situation, I think, if you're a weed dealer with weed and no one else...
0: And also, the guy disputing it worked at High Times for, like, years. You always had access to weed. You were immune to weed droughts, weren't you? I don't know. With this whole
3: church of, like, uh, great aspirations fulfilled or whatever, like, I, I don't Oh, uh, It was so much better than what know. you just said. Church of, of, like, fulfilled fantasy or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a little fishy, man. Uh, that whole part of the story, like, everyone runs out of weed, which isn't true, except for this guy. Like. <laughs> And there's religion involved. This is dark. This is, there's a dark undercurrent to this that we don't know about. <laughs> Most definitely. I'm saying the Church of Realized
1: Conundrums is, is, putting, <laughs> is putting this hits out on these
3: other,
2: you know what I
1: mean? So this, this is still uh, from this Rolling Stone article. And tell me, Ben, now if this sounds a little familiar to you. This is the description of Mickey's operation at its height. Each morning, the bicycle couriers would meet at a secret location and check out stock for the day. Four gram bags of brown-green commercial weed in white paper envelopes. This is, uh...
3: It's ringing a bell. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At the bell house, no less. (laughs) Wow.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so this is kind of the beginning of how probably a lot of us are experienced buying cannabis... Here in New York City, how many of you guys get your weed on a bicycle? Cool, man. So
1: these couriers would hit the streets by 10 a.m. with these envelopes of weed. The call as the calls came in, telephone operators would take down locations and logbooks and then beep the couriers. Who remembers beepers? Yeah. Weed built the beeper industry. <laughs> Uh, and these couriers would deliver the goods within 40 minutes. Uh, and this is back in the 90s. Anybody, you guys want to guess what uh, uh, a bag cost?
0: Yeah, I would guess like 30. 35. Hey, I hear 25,
1: 35. Do I, get, uh, do I got 45, 45 for the nice bag, a brown commercial? 45, do I hear 50? Brown and swaggy, sold. So it's 50 bucks a bag, $10 extra for delivery. And at 28 grams to the ounce, if you bought an ounce, it came out to about 350 a lid.
0: 350 a lid. so a, a lid being what what is the actual measurement of a lid? That's an ounce?
1: That is an ounce approximately.
0: Approximately an ounce so like it would fit in like a container. It was wait sorry, what did you say it was again? How much was it per? If you bought a whole ounce at these you know little delivery bags, it'd
1: be like 350 an ounce back then. so it was a lot.
0: Prices haven't changed
1: much. Yeah, they're the
0: same, huh? Because fifty bucks for a jar for like the two and a half gram jar or whatever that you get—that's still the price out here, pretty much, right? Yeah, for delivery, much sixty sometimes. Such a bummer, man. Sixty dollars for like two and a half gram. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my mate, keeping it alive. There we go. You Got
3: a two-bedroom, 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 <laughs> two-bedroom. Come on, guys. Dude, one of you got it. One of you got it.
1: So this is, you know, the only, it's the only game in town, and he's getting like 100 or 200 calls a day at this point.
0: And so I wanted to ask also, so what's this weed like? Like, what's it look like? What's it smell like? What's the quality of this weed at this point?
1: Brown-green commercial Mexican is the only... It uh... does not sound good. <laughs> so by 8 each evening, all the couriers would check back in, They'd uh, do their double-book accounting for the evening, and uh, then the pope would gather around him his flock. Somebody would cook a big dinner. Uh, it was a big, happy family and then, from this article, and why not? The pope provided food, a dental plan, money to fix, money to fix a broken bike. He gave out free pot, sometimes paid the medical bills of people he knew with AIDS. He'd even let you live in the telephone center or at his extra apartment if you needed a place to squat. On cold nights, he let anyone off the street into the church to get warm, and he gave out hot chocolate.
0: Yeah. That's how weed people should be, you know what I'm saying? That, that's our community.
3: I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop with this church. <laughs> This church of this church is for me freaked out, man. <laughs> all right, there, there is another show. There, uh, Yeah, that's that's wonderful. Let's just agree that that's just a wonderful thing to do. If only if only all of us were given out hot chocolate, even just hot chocolate. That's so easy.
0: So, you you know something that I've started doing recently that I actually I want to encourage people to do is that you know sometimes I end up with weed that is dry or old or I don't like the flavor of it or whatever. And it just kind of sits there, right? So what I do is I bag it up and I put like a quarter in the bags, right? And I put it all in a little tote bag and I put it in my car. And anytime I pull up to a dude holding a sign, which you see a lot of in Los Angeles, and a dude holding a sign, will work for food or anything helps or whatever, I give him a fucking bag of weed, right? And... I'm trying to spread the word on this because, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, for people like us, we're very blessed. We get a lot of free weed, and we get to pick and choose what we're going to smoke, what we're not going to smoke, right? And if you just give that to that person, it's worth so much more than the dollar or whatever. And uh, it's it's medicine. It's going to help them out. So give away your fucking weed that you're not smoking, okay? Give away
3: everything you have, actually, as a matter of fact. Yeah, while we're at give it. Give away everything.
1: <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. Uh. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> at the time that all of this is happening, Howard Stern was the city's top shock jock, but he's not yet a nationally known figure. He's like the big king of the of the morning radio in New York. Thank you. Somebody had. Fa-fa-fooey. One morning, while scanning local newspapers for fodder to discuss on his radio show, He sees a straightforward classified ad that simply says, call 1-800-WANT-POT.
0: Wait, is it like, do you call it if you want pot or if you have it, like, would you?
3: (laughs) I had the same problem with nuts for nuts when I got to the city. I'm like, do I give you nuts and I get nuts back? (laughs) Or do I, am I crazy
1: (laughs) for nuts? (laughs) Same problem. That was actually the first draft of Universal Mental Health Care.
0: You know, I fucking love those nuts though. Like, so yeah, they
3: much. smell good. Hard to they, not think about them.
0: They tell you, they, you know, when I first bought them, like, it, my brother was like, those are for fucking tourists, you asshole. And I was like, I don't fucking care. God it. For, <laughs> they're goddamn they're for insane
3: people. I'm nuts
1: for, for these nuts. <laughs> So he sees the ad, and he decides the next day, live on the air for two million people, he's gonna call 1-800-WOMP-POP. Now, I have a transcript of the call. (laughs) I was unfortunately not able to get the audio, but maybe fortunately, would one of you like to play uh, Howard Stern, would one of you like to play Mickey?
0: Yeah, uh, you pick, you pick the role. Are you asking the audience, or are you asking us? <laughs> like, oh. yeah, you I thought you might jump in oh, on
3: yeah, this one. yeah, but... yeah, oh, I'll, I'll play whoever you need me to.
0: Can you do a stern? How's your stern? Yeah.
3: Yeah. I'll get, I'll get all nasal. Oh, yeah. Close per it into up. The thing. Like, yeah, Do do that, baby. Okay, yeah. You, all go. right. Go. And okay. You got the job. <laughs> all right, there you go. All right, cool. I'll play yeah. Mickey. will okay. play yeah.
1: Mickey, and I'm going yeah, to... Robin.
3: Cl- oh. Robin. <laughs> No, you're an idiot. Okay, let's go.
1: I'm
0: going to play Robin at the end. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh wait, and where was Mickey from, just so I know for to do a voice. Holland. He, no, it was from New York. Oh shit. Oh, he's a New York guy. <laughs> All right. Well, some of these lines are confusing then. But let's go. <laughs> hey dude, you're on the air. Howdy, honey. I'm the Pope of the Church of Realized Fantasies.
3: Uh, so, what do you do? You, oh, this is terrible. So, what do you do? Sell pot?
0: Oh, uh, we give out sacrament. It, it cures everything, even AIDS.
3: It gives you breasts. How's your breasts? How's your breasts?
0: <laughs> my breath may stink a little. I didn't brush my teeth. What is this? No, conversation? your breasts. <laughs> They're fine.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. You make a lot of money doing this?
0: I'm comfy. A lot of people
1: admire the Pope okay so then the call ends and they're talking after
3: you know i had seen the number in this newspaper and i thought this is kind of cool i mean i don't think it's cool that he's a drug dealer but it's kind of cool that he's getting away with it
1: it would be pretty easy to catch him wouldn't it you just call him up and make an order and when he shows up you book him
3: i had to change the number to 1-800 arrest me Uh, why did you think this out (laughs)
1: that was the Oh, man it's history i don't make up
0: history
3: <laughs> this wait, isn't the, this isn't this isn't it you know what i mean is
0: this actually the conversation they
2: had <laughs> yes
0: wait and then how come you, how'd you get the part but with his wife get, <laughs> robin is, his, is oh, this oh robin robin i thought it was his wife oh i don't listen to stern so why didn't sorry. we
3: act out any other parts of the story <laughs> <laughs> No, this, this the structure the of call. this the whole thing is like now we're doing drama like like what's going on you give the audience like 15 minutes to understand how to listen to this show all right and then like what it's like 1114 man we gotta like we gotta like figure they gotta feel walk away being like oh I was with them the whole time you know what I mean I don't know if that's what this show does for people necessarily <laughs> yeah. All right.
1: Ben Sinclair,
2: everybody. Wasn't he great?
1: <laughs> oh, man. I'm just a control freak. That's all. So, embarrassed into action, the NYPD follows Howard Stern's lead and they call 1 800 Womp Pot. Oh. And you know what? I'll be the one to say it. Fuck you, Howard Stern. Yeah. Yeah. Blew up the yeah. spot. Blew up the spot. Um, And if you want to start a feud with us as a tiny podcast, that might work out. (laughs) Okay. And he was talking about their breasts and doing them. So the the cops call him a couple of times. And here's what happens. A courier arrives with quality cannabis at a fair price. Oh, man. Uh, And then during the Halloween parade, who's been to the Halloween parade in New York? (laughs) That's like, it was always my favorite night in New York when I lived here. Um, But the cops, being cops, uh, decide to use it to trick Mickey into giving them a joint. Uh, And he's out in this hat that he always wore, which was like the big Pope hat with a big weed leaf on it. And he's running around the Halloween parade saying to people, here's a joint and here's my number, call me up.
0: He's like, this is the one day of the year I don't look fucking crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: And so he says to this cop, As he's giving him a joint, I'm the Pope of Pot. If you want pot, call my number. And this uh, NYPD special narcotics prosecutor, not a friend of the podcast, basically said that's what sealed his fate. And this is just listen to these people's words. And I'm I'm referring to cops as these people, and I'll I'll stick with it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Dan. There comes a time when you have to let people know that you are serious. He defied the authorities. He threw down the gauntlet. You know what they didn't mention it all? The weed, because that's not why they arrest people. It's about defying authority. And it's like they'll just
0: come right out and fucking say it. Yeah, seriously. And, you know, the NYPD uh, has been enforcing weed Uh, way more stringently than New York State law actually dictates. New York State decriminalized weed in 1977. Do you know that? So to have up to an ounce, you only get fined $100 for your first offense. But seeing the way the NYPD was behaving in the 90s out here in New York City, you realize that it was just an instrument for them to enforce uh, quality of life. You know what I mean? And they're just more likely to be arresting and harassing people of color, uh, people with less money. You know what I mean? And that's very real. The NYPD was in defiance of New York state law for decades. And only now are we finally seeing the cracks. You know what I mean? And we're seeing, like, the light kind of shine in. But fuck the police. You know what I'm saying? And it has been lovely to be back in New York
1: and see people at random smoking on the street and not looking over their shoulders.
2: Yeah. (laughs)
1: It's still Mo- fucked up, though, man. I mean,
3: did you know? You know, if all of the prisoners in America, you put them into in one place, it would be one of the like the top ten largest cities in the U.S.
2: That's That'd be a crazy. fucking
3: party. I know that much. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That is enough that it's a city. Ugh. God, it's so yeah. shitty to you, if, if you go through your whole life and you do everything right, you don't get put in like the opposite of prison where it's like, oh, this is awesome. We got you, man. Like vote, vote for Bernie. <laughs> yeah. But if you like mess up one rule of social contract, you get it all taken away.
1: It's just so stupid. Yeah. It's just dumb. Um, so here they come again. Uh, two weeks after the, after the Halloween parade, the cops raid the Church of Realized Fantasies. They perp-walk Mickey. They've got their reporters waiting. And, of course, the cover of the New York Post the next day. And I'll say it, fuck the New York Post. <laughs> but while they're doing this, and this is to me like a quintessential New York moment, a weed moment, everybody on the street is just raining abuse on these cops. Because they know that this person that they're taking away has heart and has soul and has cared for them. And that while this whole city has abandoned them as poor people, as outcasts, as sick gay people, that this is the person who's really been caring for them. And like the idea that the cops arrest you for weed for your own good has always just been the stupidest fucking sentence in the world, but here it is in tremendous relief. You know, this guy who's been a pillar of one of the most downcast parts of the city, and they're gonna fuck with him over this shit. So he does a little more time. He gets out again. He starts selling weed again, because this guy does not stop. (laughs) This guy does not stop. And eventually, we're, we're winding down to our story with Mickey. He, he passes away uh, in the midst of just selling weed and getting arrested and repeat. Uh, It'll
0: take its toll on
1: you. <laughs> it, it will. Um, but so to sort of go out on a high note and to go out with his own words and to go out with the feeling that I hope you will take away from this story... Uh, I'll just remind you of what Mickey said before, because I think it's really, at least with weed, coming true, not just here in New York, but all over the world. We're doing what's right and proper and screw em. Our little group should live better than they do. We should win by example.
2: Woo!
0: Yeah, shout out, Mickey. And fucking shout out Petey while we're at it. (laughs) Petey still sells dime bags down on the Lower East Side. (laughs) Incredible. Well, that was a very enlightening story, uh, you know, and one that should definitely hit home for people who spend their lives in New York City and smoke weed in New York City. Ben, so how did you like uh, your experience hearing about a great moment in weed history? You know, I I
3: had a moment of reverence. I got it. I got the payoff at the end. You know, because I the we share we should win by example is a pretty cool thing. That's a pretty cool ass thing. And that's pretty much the only thing you can do, really, is you can say whatever you want, but your actions are really the definer of who you are and and that is cool. That they that that is what we learned there.
0: Yeah. And do you feel like you've led by this example by playing? Uh, responsibly playing, portraying a uh, cannabis delivery person on TV.
3: Do I think I'm responsible? Uh, question no, no. Wait, how did I? Am I leading by question? example? Yes. yes. Yes, we're making little folks folk tales for the millennials. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You just look at it away and you're like, oh, okay, maybe that is how it is for somebody.
1: Well, hmm. I'll, I'll tell a story. I was when I was working at High Times. I got an email and I think there was two episodes of High Maintenance and we'd get all kinds of things and almost every single thing you saw was like, duh, munchies, duh, I forgot my name. And it's like there was a, I'm a sire (laughs) and there's a sigh that I would make before somebody said, I made a weed show. And I, I literally almost cried. When I watched the first high maintenance that I saw, and I sent Ben an email, Ben and Katja, oh, baby. and I said, You guys did it, and thank you. Yeah. And yeah. to see it grow from that to what you've done, that's very blah. sweet. Thank
0: you. Yeah, guys, give it up for high maintenance. Thank you so, so much. For high maintenance, coming yeah, best was fucking so much weed time. show.
3: That was so much fun. And we're all good friends. And it's nice that we're like, people are just watching us uh, know each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's very
2: nice.
0: You know? Awesome. Good thank shit. you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this edition of Great Moments in Weed History. Give it up for our guest, Ben Sinclair. Yeah. Give it up for the Bell House and Woo. the Brooklyn Podcast Festival. Yeah. Great Moments in Weed History is a Spoke Media production. It's hosted by me, Abdullah Said, and David Bean in stock, AKA Bean. We're
1: produced by Cody Hoffmachel and Brigham Mosley with help from Trey Jones, Reyes Mendoza, and Lee George. This episode was mixed by Jonathan Villalobos. Our executive producers are Aliyah Tavakolian and Keith Reynolds. Very special shout out to all our
0: patrons on Patreon. Thanks to Gold Digger Studio, if you want to follow us on social media, we're at Podcast on all platforms. Check out our show notes for links to our sponsors. Support us by supporting them. Thanks for listening.
1: Well, that's the show, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And if you stuck around this long, please consider supporting us on Patreon. You can put five on it at greatmomentsinweedhistory.com. And that would really help us as we research, write, edit, and publish a new episode every Weedness Day. Great Moments in Weed History is written, produced, and performed by me, David Beanenstock, aka Bean. Special thanks to our sponsor, Pax. Go to pax.com and use promo code greatmoments, all one word, for a big discount at checkout.